to welcome, please, our son of faith, Apostle Alan Bagg, up on the platform this morning. Thank you, Dad. Love you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices and give Jesus praise today. Come on. One, two. I've switched it on. One, two. When your pastor turns you on, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Amen. My mic pack. Where are you going? Amen. You know, the word says that when the Holy Spirit comes, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. I see visions all the time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's give our Lord Jesus praise. He is King. He is Lord. Let's exalt His name. Can we do that? Praise you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. This is your church. What a privilege it is to be in the house of God. Amen. Oh, good morning, family. It's been a while. Amen. Who would have thought? But praise God, we're here now, and I thank God that I can be here because uh, we had made plans and preparations to come out, and uh, as you know, some of you who follow the news may be aware of it. I've met a lot of people who actually weren't aware of it here, but uh, South Africa discovered Omicron. They did not invent it, but the rest of the world thought we did, and they put us into total lockdown, a, a huge travel ban, and... We could hardly go anywhere, and so we had to wait for a while and just trust God. And I knew I would be coming, just stayed faithful and trusted and kept those tickets alive. But then as the, they lifted the travel ban the week before I was due to come, and then the Monday, I was going to fly on Tuesday, Monday, the airline that I was using decided they canceling all flights from South Africa. And the moment they did that, we had to scurry for other plans, other airplanes, other flights, and thank God I found United, a good old American airline flew us out here direct, so we could be here. I'm so glad to be back here after two years, and just so grateful to be with my dad and mom in the faith, Apostle Thea and Pastor Beverly. There are not enough words to express how much we love you. You know, we really thank God for the word of faith. I know you know that. I know you're aware of it. But you have gold in your pastors here. Uh, you, you're going to have to travel far to find someone who teaches faith the way they do. And we went through a situation. I won't go into the detail now for time's sake. But my wife, when she contracted COVID last year, Christmas, and the doctors had written off, they said it's not going to happen. Uh, it's really looking bad. She had the highest inflammation markers that hospital had ever seen. And they were ready to put on a ventilator. But thank God the word of God that we knew said we are not doing that. We're trusting our God, believe him. And God did the work. And today she's healed and alive. She's doing CrossFit and she's fit and healthy. So give our Lord Jesus praise. So I thank God we have pastors who teach us the word the way we need to hear it and not tickle our ears. How many you say amen to that? We want practical word. So again, thank you so much. Amen. How many you came expectant this morning? 
Expectancy is the key to receiving. Father, we stand in amazement before you. We thank you for your precious love and your precious grace. You are Lord, you are God, you are King. And we've come to hear from heaven, from you. And I thank you for the privilege of being the voice to your word today. I don't take that lightly. I submit myself under your mighty hand, and I believe that by your grace, I shall speak this word with clarity and accuracy. And just as Jesus said, he only says that which he's heard you say. That's my desire, that as your word goes forth, you ignite it with your presence, take it deep into the heart of every hero, which causes faith to rise as it dispels fear. Every mind renewed to your word as understanding replaces confusion. I believe each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout amen? amen. Praise God. As you see today, open your Bible at 1 Samuel chapter 30. Yeah, I heard that. Back home when I say it, the whole house erupts. We love the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Some of you may have been looking up in the Bible, so let's try it again. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Yeah, amen. Now I'm right at home. This is my home from home. Amen. David was out one day, and he had gone to support King Achish of the Philistines. And uh, what had happened is David, to escape Saul, had gone to live in the land. And King Achish had welcomed him, and they were, David was out one day ready to go and fight battle with King Achish in support of him against Israel. But of course, the princes of Philistine didn't trust David, and they said, in the middle of the battle, he's going to turn on us and start killing us. And King Achish said, that's not the man I know, because he understood David to be a, a covenant man, and that David was a man of his word. But they wouldn't have it, and they wanted David to send him out. And so eventually King Achish said to David, look, rather you go. And so he went back home, and he went to his hometown, Ziklag. And when he got back to Ziklag, they had found that the town had been plundered by the Amalekites. Everything had been stolen. They'd kidnapped their wives and children and burnt the city to the ground. And of course, all the men were upset, and they, the Bible says they wept until they could weep no more. And then they turned on David, and they wanted to stone him. Isn't it interesting that when everything's going well and everything's great, our man of God's there, and we support him and love him, and uh, they were all those rabble people that came to David, all the worthless men that had lost. But when they came to David, they started succeeding and prospering. But now they want to stone him. And so all of a sudden, as the man of God, as things go wrong in our lives, we want to start blaming the pastor, what he taught. But how do you know that we have got a great man and woman of God yet that teach the living word? That's not the time. When things get tough, it's not the time to turn against your pastor. I thought I'd get a bigger amen there. And so David, instead of moaning and complaining, which is very easy to do, surely God don't understand me. They know what I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Yeah, he didn't do that. What he did is he went and he drew into the presence of God. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Family, I really want to encourage you. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to agree with you. When things are said about us, it does hurt. But we don't have to respond. We don't have to defend ourselves. God knows who you are. And he gave you a purpose. He gave you design. And he created you in a certain way. Trust that. 
and draw into His presence. And here we see David in chapter 30, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Without fail recover all. Everybody say, recover all. See, David knew his God. He knew for a fact that if God is his God, every time he's seen God move, God has never, ever landed up in a situation where something happened and he turned around and said, well, I lost that one. God will never lose any battle. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is already ours. He is for us. Who can be against us? God will not allow himself to be painted in the corner. And David knew this, and God gives him this word that you pursue and you will recover all. The end of 2019, I was trusting the Lord for a word. All of us, you know, men of God want a vision for the house. And every year, God's shown himself to be true. And as we were entering in 2022 now, I was trusting God once again. Remember 2019 as we were coming in, there's a lot of prophecies that went out. We're going into 2020, year of vision, great things. It's going to be greater than ever before. Things are going to be wonderful. And then all of a sudden, February, lockdown. Come on, how do you remember that? And so we've had two years. And so it's been a devastating two years, a year of destruction. Two years of tragedy. Many people have lost loved ones. A lot of lives have been lost. Our hearts go out to them. We pray for them. A lot of people lost their businesses. A lot of people have been uh, lost a lot of finances, lost their jobs, went through horrible financial stress. Back in South Africa, I don't know what it's like here in America, but uh, our suicide rates have gone up. And they said it's because of the emotional effects of lockdown. And people don't know what the answer is, what the future is. And so I was trusting God for a word for 2022. And I wanted to make sure that it's not one of those, you know, prophecies that you put out there and then all of a sudden things happen. You want to know it's from God. Anybody can get up and say anything to, to pump people up. But I want to hear what God is saying. Why? Because if you're going to prophesy, have, you know, the prophets of old, if they got it wrong, they were stoned. And I'm talking about smoking weed or something. I'm talking about the, the, the rocks that kill you. <laughs> they were killed dead if they, if they got the prophecy wrong. And so I want to make sure that if I'm hearing from God that it is Him. And I said, Lord, with everything that's happened, what are you going to be doing? What, with, what about 2022? And I was praying and I was trusting God. Normally around about October, November, I have an idea of what God's saying. And this year, it was just really quiet. But I knew God had a word. But I needed to know what it was. And I just stayed in His presence, just praying, spending a lot of time worshiping Him. And we were right up into New Year's Eve. And I was about to go into our service. I said, Lord, 2022, what of it? And I heard Him say this in my spirit. Great recovery. Great recovery. Great recovery. Everybody say, great recovery. It's just something about God. You look at all the faith heroes in the Bible, every single one of them. The only reason we know them 
to be faith heroes. It's because they faced some battle, some famine, some challenge that seemed like it was impossible to get out of. God will never allow himself to fail. God always has an answer, and he always has a solution. There's Job who had lost everything. He lost all his children. He lost all his staff. He lost his businesses, his investments, his entire crops. Everything wiped out. Even his own body started getting sick. And then his wife says, now just curse God and die. I mean, he's got no one left on the planet but himself. He's standing there before God. And his answer to his wife is, though the Lord slay me, yet I will serve him. That's an outstanding statement because obviously he didn't have the doctrine that we understand God. We have revelation that God wouldn't do that. God's not the one that's going to kill him. But he's saying, even if he did, I'd still serve him. Come on, how many of you think that's what he said? That's a powerful statement to have your whole world wiped out and say, I will not put it on God. I still trust him. I still believe him. And what happened? Within a year, he was turned around and he had double back. Come on, give Jesus praise. How many of you wouldn't mind some double back for what's happened in the last two years? I'm here to give you good news. Back in South Africa, we have a term that uh, the world uses, and they call it January, as in worry. You know, January. Because uh, what happens is back home, we get paid on the end of the month, usually between 25 to 30th, depending which company you work for. But a lot of companies, what they do in December is they pay you on the 15th. So you can go out and buy all the presents with your money. And so all the presents are bought, but now you've got another 15 days before the end of the month, and there's no more payday. And then you've got to wait a whole other month before the next payday. And people get under a lot of stress and a lot of trouble. And they call it January because people are really worried about getting through the month. And what happens is when, when you hit a place of financial stress and financial pressure, it's normal to say, okay, we're under financial pressure. We need to cut back in some places. And, you know, people may cancel Netflix or they may cancel their insurance or whatever. But you find out that some Christians decide to start cutting back on their giving. Cutting back on their tithe. God will understand. I need this money. Family of God, I'm here to tell you that even though we may have gone through January, Jesus had an answer to worry. He says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. Now, does that sound like a suggestion? You think Jesus saying, look, I know things are tough, but try not to worry. Is that it? Or does that sound more like an instruction? Do not worry. That's an outright instruction. Tell your neighbor, it's time to stop worrying. Now, did they sound convincing? Jesus is very clear. He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat. What you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? 
Family, I've never seen a bird standing at a traffic light with a sign, please feed me, I've got three chicks at home. You don't see birds falling over because they're hungry. And Jesus saying, they don't even sow or reap. Sow or reap. You and I as God's creation, we're the only creation on earth amongst all the animals and everything else that God has created. We as humans are the only ones who have been given the privilege of sowing and reaping. The rest of creation has to trust on whatever God gives them. And he says, even with that, they don't even have the privilege of sowing and reaping, yet none of them go hungry. And you're of more value than that. And he's placed in your hands the power of sowing and reaping. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? What's he saying? If you're short, you can worry all night. You're not waking up tall. Come on, how have you been through some major worries? I know for myself, before we were saved, we were supernaturally in debt. We owed so much money that we couldn't even pay attention. And we're trusting God to get out of these situations. And, I, and when I remember drawing up my very first budget, we're trying to just, you know, there's only so much money. I had what you call a rubber bottom bank account. What is that? It's like there's a trampoline at the bottom. Your salary comes in. It just goes out to everybody else. There's not much left for you. And so you've got to decide now who gets paid this month. I mean, you got paid last month. You can wait a bit. I need to move over here. And you start trying to make things stretch and turn different corners. And I found out that when you take a budget and you add the figures from top to bottom, and then you add them from the bottom to the top, it comes to the same amount. I mean, you try anything to try and find that last $10 that you can maybe use. And so I used to spend a lot of hours worrying. But you know something I learned? No matter how much I worried, no account ever got paid because of the worry. So what's the point of worrying? Say amen. amen. And Jesus goes on and he says in verse 28, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither grow, uh, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not worry. That was better. We're not going to be worrying anymore. Amen? Amen. He says, do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, those without a covenant, worry. For your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Remember Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for how much? Nothing. nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. How many you want to live in that peace? Amen. You notice there's a key here. He says here that in everything, give thanks. He's not saying give thanks for everything. 
How many you know COVID-19 came straight out the pit of hell? We're not going to thank God for COVID-19. But in the middle of it, no matter what happens, no matter what comes against us, we're always going to throw our hands in the air and give God thanks. Why? He's already got the solution. He's never lost the battle. And this is another one. And we're going to win it again. Say amen. And so Jesus says, don't worry. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But there's a key. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What things? The very things the uncovenanted people are, are worrying about. See, there's something about Christians. They're the only group on the planet that you have to convince to be rich. You take a Jewish believer, they take it for granted. They're the seed of Abraham, and they're ready. You know, by the age of 12, all the uncles are already investing in the young man. You're going to get your business going, and, and you're supposed to prosper. You're Jewish. Christians get saved, and then the devil tries to put materialism on us. You shouldn't want anything. Just love Jesus. You've got your mansion in heaven one day. Hallelujah. Materialism. Material. Jesus said, God knows you need things. Come on, how have you living in a house? That house is made from material. How many want a house? Only three people. How many want clothes? Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you. Material. Clothes are made from material. See, materialism is not the desire for material things. God placed that desire in you. It's not demonic. God wants you to increase. God wants you to multiply. Why? Because of the increase of His government, there will be no end. His church is always going to grow. It's always going to be increasing. There's always going to be more buildings to build. There's going to be more Bible colleges to plant, more missionaries to send out. There's always something more to do. So God places in you the desire to want things. See, materialism is not the desire for things. Materialism is when we make material things our God. Jesus deals with a priority here. He says, seek first. First implies there's other things you're going to seek. First, second. Otherwise, you just say, seek the kingdom. No, he said, first. There are other things you're going to pursue. But get the priority right. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added. Hallelujah. Have a look what he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. He will direct your path. He will direct your path. Put that together with what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added. You acknowledge God, He'll direct your path. Listen to how that's been said. Literally, I, what I'm hearing is, if I seek first the kingdom of God, trust Him, put all my trust in Him, God will direct my path. These things will be added. In other words, I get this right. 
then I am on autopilot for success. Oh, come on. God's going to work it out for you. I said, God's going to work it out for you. But you notice the priority is seek first the kingdom of God. Now, all of us can quote that scripture and we get excited about it. But what does it mean? Seek first the kingdom of God. Because I find a lot of Christians don't actually understand that. They say, well, do you seek first the kingdom? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm in church every Sunday. Well, so is the devil. The devil's attendance is better than ours. He's in church every Sunday. He never misses a service. The word says that when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately. He doesn't wait in the car park. It's in the building to try and steal that word. Isn't that right? I don't know about you, but I've missed some Sunday meetings. But the devil, no. So that's not what it means to seek the kingdom of God. What is seeking first? The kingdom of God. Keep reading. You come down to verse 3. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the? There's that word again. With the first fruit of all your increase. So your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Seek first. In other words, whatever I receive, the first goes to God. And he says, when I do that, when I honor him first, my bonds will be filled with plenty. Now, that's for grain farmers he's speaking to over here. Uh, most of us, unless you're a farmer, we don't deal in grain and corn and that sort of thing. What is our income? It would be finances. Where would we store the finances? Not in a barn. We'd store it in a? Now, most people only have one bank account. I know I did. It's just like I said, that rubber bottom bank account. It was there just to get salary and then to farm it out. But as I grew in the things of God, I realized that I needed more than one bank account. Read it that way. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. So your bank accounts, bonds, bank accounts will be filled with plenty. You need an operational account, you need a giving account, you need a distribution account, you need a trust account, you need an investment account. How are you ready to be taken to that kind of level where God's operating through you in a much greater level? But you notice again, it's the first, putting God first. Come with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Now I know some people get nervous when you bring up Malachi 3. But how you realize this is more than just the tithe chapter? It does deal with the tithe, and we will deal with it again today. But the whole of Malachi, you need to read it in context of what God's saying, is dealing more with the heart attitude of Israel. Their heart had so slipped that they were getting to a place where they were disrespecting God and His temple and His table. And they were looking at the rest of the nations and saying, look at all the nations. They seem to be doing okay and they don't have to bring a tithe and everything in. And we're honoring you and we don't seem to see a result. And God deals with their heart attitude and He says, you're bringing me all the sick and the lame and the blind. In other words, they were th saying, if we have to make a sacrifice, let's not give the best because we're not really getting a result out of it anyway. So let's get this lamb that's about to die anyway and put that on the altar. And the lame one and the blind one, you know, everything we don't want, put, that'll be the sacrifice. And God says, go try that with your governor. What's he saying? It's like, you know, when we say things are really tough and I need to use my tithe, 
and I don't really want to give God the tithe. God said, uh, you know, instead you go to the IRS. He says, try that on the IRS. You go to the IRS and say, things are really tough this month, so I'm not paying tax. I need it for my light bill. What do you think he's going to say? You see, God's dealing with a heart attitude. Everybody say heart. And he says here in verse 6, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So evidently, they were due for a consuming. God says you've got to a place where you should be blown off the planet. But because I made a covenant with your father, I don't change. I said I'll look after you and I'll protect you. So just get this right. You are due for consuming. But I can help you fix this. Thank God he's a God of love and mercy. And you say amen to that. So he always tries to help us, to help us get back to the place he wants us to be in. And verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Now, I fully get that question. Come on, how have you ever been falsely accused of something? Someone comes to you and say, I heard somebody said that you do this and you do that. What was your response? It's like, how could you even ask that question? You know me. Isn't that right? It's like, what? You, you even asking? And yes, God's saying, you've robbed me. And they're like, what? Who would think of robbing God? I mean, come on now. If you're going to steal from somebody, number one, they mustn't see you do it. God's omnipresent, omniscient, isn't that right? And number two, if you've stolen it from someone, you can never use that thing in front of them. He's omnipresent. I mean, how are you going to, they like, what do you mean we've robbed you? And what does God say? You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Listen to the wording. He didn't say, you robbed the tithe. You've robbed me in the tithes and offerings. See, for a long time, I read this, and I thought it was talking about God saying, you've stolen the tithe, which technically is true. It's still the truth, because the Bible tells us in Leviticus 27, 30, the tithe is the Lord's. It's His. And so what He has done, if the tithe is the Lord's, He has built His tithe into whatever you get. So, for example, let's say someone earns $1,000. Technically, your boss only wanted to pay you $900. But God put his $100 in there. And there's a reason for it. You know, it would be like somebody says, I can't afford to tithe. Well, imagine I have a parcel waiting for me at the post office. And I owe duty on it, say $200. And I find out someone's going to the post office. So I said, when you're down there, would you mind picking up my parcel? Because uh, it has $200 duty. He has $200 for the duty. And so he goes off and he comes back from the post office. And I notice he doesn't have my package with him. And I say to him, where's my package? 
He said, no, I couldn't afford the duty. Uh, say what? I gave you $200. Yeah, I know, but I had bills to pay, and I, I saw a nice pair of shoes, and there was a bit of money left over, so I got that. And by the time I got to the post office, I couldn't afford the duty. Uh, excuse me. I gave you $200 for my package. That's my $200. Can you see that? So, family of God, if we say we can't afford the tithe, it's not ours to afford. He put it in our stuff. And if we get the priority right, if He is first, the moment we paid, you got it. It's there to use. Come on now. It belongs to Him. And so, that would be stealing. But technically, think about how do you steal from God? How do you empty the ocean with a teaspoon? God owns everything. The gold and the silver is His. Everything belongs to Him. When I arrived on the planet, I had nothing. And then I received from Him to be able to use in my lifetime. But when I leave, it all stays behind. It's all His anyway. Isn't that right? So really, you can't steal from God, if you're getting what I'm saying here. So if He says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings, what's He talking about? Well, let's keep reading. You see what God has to say about it. He says, you've robbed me in tithes and offering. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, get a hold of this. God is not saying he curses somebody because they didn't tithe. That is a bad doctrine. That's not right. How many you know God hates the curse? He's not using the devil to get us. When Jesus died on that cross, he was made to be a curse. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham may come upon us. It cost Jesus his blood. So the moment you're born again, you're blessed. I said, the moment you're born again, you're blessed. So someone says, but, well, then how come I don't see it? Well, when someone came in here this morning, the place was dark. You notice they didn't phone the utility company and say, Can, are we dark over here? Could you please send some power to the building? What would they have done? They would check their meters and they say, sir, you got power in your building. Well, I don't see it. No, you got power. Well, why don't you go to the switch and flick it and see what happens? The moment you flick the switch, you find out the power was here all the time. But you needed to flick the switch on. So God's saying, because you've used the tide, you've abused it, as a result, you're in darkness. The effects of not doing it is that the blessing is there, but you're not seeing the result of it. No light equals dark. No blessing equals curse. Can you see that? So what's the solution? Verse 10. Bring how much? That's the full 10% of your income. Bring all the tithes. Where? Into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food. Where? In my house. See, God's purposed his tithe to be used for the preaching of the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God puts the tithe for a purpose in amongst our stuff. Now, why would he do that? Couldn't he pay for the gospel himself? Yes, there's more to it. So the purpose of it is to preach the gospel. 
But listen to what he says. And then he says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Listen to him. He's saying, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. Why is he emphasizing that? You do a Hebrew study and you'll find out Lord of hosts talks about the commander of the army. The state president is not just president of the country. He's commander of the army. Are you getting this? God Almighty says, I will put my military angels in charge of this. And I will personally rebuke the devourer. Get a hold of that statement because, yeah, the, the, the responsibility of running off the devil is on the believer. The word says to submit to God, you resist the devil, he will flee. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Even Paul tried it with God. He says, God, please take this devil away from me. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. You need to deal with that. Are you with me? And yet, yes, the only place that God says, I personally will run the devil off. Why? Because you're about my kingdom. You got it. You're seeking first my priorities. You're putting me first. And if he can find someone that is prepared to take what they receive and give toward God's kingdom for the gospel to be preached, God will protect that pipeline with his entire military force and he will personally oversee it because he wants that to succeed. And he says, if you do that, I will make sure that your source of income never dries up. Your place of income will never die. I will always make sure money comes through you. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. Now you understand what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says in verse 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his it's all about the heart. Give us your purpose in your heart, not grudgingly of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to. See, and is a conjunction. In other words, without the preceding thought, God's not able to. See, here's what you got to get. God wants to bless you. By doing, getting our heart right, God is able to do what? Make all grace abound towards you that you always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. Now, that's a lot of alls and always and everys. I mean, you know how powerful always is. How many of you married? Uh-huh. You ever been in a serious discussion? None of us argue yet, right? It's in a serious discussion. And let you bring up the word, you always. <laughs> Come on. 
How do you know what I'm talking about? What do you mean, always? Why? Because it's such an encompassing word. And yet God uses it. You will always, 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 in every circumstance. Just think about that for a moment. Let's analyze this. What is it talking about? Can you imagine living in your house? Not a rental. You own it without a mortgage. Paid in full. And your car. Paid in full. Nice one as well. Not a broken one. Nice one. Gas tank is full. Grocery cupboard is fully supplied. School fees are paid. You got all the clothes you need. And your next paycheck's coming in. And you don't know what to do with it. Come on, how many you wouldn't mind living that life? Is that possible? That's what he says here. Look at it. All grace in everything have all sufficiency in all things and left over to use wherever you want to for every good work. See, family, this is what God wants to do. And this is where we're robbing him. It's not you taking the tithe from him. He doesn't need it. He's given it to you to release this blessing. And then if we use it incorrectly, we stop God's ability to move in our lives. We've robbed him of the privilege of blessing us. We've robbed him of giving us this abundant supply. We've robbed him of being God who so desperately wants to bless you and increase you. So I don't look at the tithe anymore as an obligation, or as an old covenant, or is it a law, is it insurance against the Godfather, he doesn't curse me, you know. It, 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 it's none of that. It's everything I have is because God gave it to me. The gifts, the talents, abilities to be able to produce income, He gave me. The very fact that I can breathe fresh air is His gift to me. I'm alive today because of Him. Why would I not want to bless Him? Everything I have, Father, is yours. Here is the tithe. It's an honor. Let others get to hear about the Word. Amen. And so, family, I really want to encourage you. As God does this, this is in verse 10. Now, God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He'll supply and multiply the seed you've sown. He'll increase the fruits of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all generosity. Listen to this now. It causes thanksgiving through us to God. God wants you in a place where it's easy to give thanks. Hallelujah. How are you ready to live this kind of life? See, family of God, I really want to encourage you today. I know many of you stayed faithful through the pandemic. You kept your tithe coming to the house even though you were worshiping from home. Thank you, and God bless you. I really want to encourage you. If anywhere you slipped up, please remember this. All Scripture is given for instruction, reproof, and correction. Never condemnation. This is not to condemn anybody. We've all made mistakes. Thank God for 1 John 1 9. Where I can boldly before the grace of God to obtain grace. I can confess my sin. He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of unrighteousness. If we've abused the tithe, just say, Father, I repent. And from today on, recommit. Bring it to the house and watch what God's about to do in your life. This is a year of great recovery. Everything the devil tried to steal from you is coming back. But yes, something is God relies on seed.
He won't just produce everything. Remember Galatians says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows is what he reaps. See, if I don't sow something today, I am scheduling a time of lack in my future. See, when a farmer stands in an empty field and he knows he didn't plant any seed, he can't stand and say, God, please give me a field full of crops. God says, where's the seed? Yeah, my children were hungry. They needed bread. No, you ate your seed. Amen. You want to see a harvest in your field, you need to sow your seed. Family, the last place I cut down, I will never. No, it's not the last place. It's a never place. I'll never cut down on my tithe or my seed. Some people may keep tithing, but they cut down on their giving. Ah, uh-uh, I have to prepare a harvest for my future. I'll rather cancel everything else, but never what comes to the house of God. And I want to remind us of that and reinvoke that in us, because I know we know it, but that the faith would rise in your heart. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to make that decision. So if you have, I'm going to ask everybody to confess along with me, because all of us came from a place, I know before I was saved, I, I abused the tithe. It's not just Christians who must start tithing. All the tithe is the Lord's. I don't care who you are. Not you, anybody. Amen. It's not like I'm not a believer, so I don't have to tithe. No, everything, the first 10% of any income is God's. You only discover that when you say it. So let's all confess together, because I don't want to embarrass someone if they haven't just recently. So let's say it together. Just raise your hand and say, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing. Now, I have abused your tithe in the past. And I repent of that. And so today, once again, I recommit that of everything you give me, I will surely bring the first 10% to this house. So that the gospel may be preached. That others may hear of your goodness. Because I know as I do this, I live under an open window of heaven. I am so blessed. Everything I do succeeds. Everything I give multiplies. Everything I lay my hand to prospers in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now that settled it. You are now a tither. See, it's done with the mouth first. Now your opportunity comes in your next income. <coughs> Excuse me. So don't miss it. Amen. From this day on, always bring the tithe.